Welcome, my friends, to Beforeum, Season 6, Week 12. This week, we're going to be talking about charity, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's my pleasure to introduce to you our guest speaker this week, Bishop James Wall, who is the Bishop of Gallup, New Mexico. He was ordained a priest in 1998 for the Diocese of Phoenix, Arizona, and ordained a bishop in 2009. He and a couple of his good friends who are bishops have walked uh, different parts of the Camino and inspired me to make the Camino this last year. That's why I always say Buen Camino, a good holy man of God and a wonderful bishop in our country. So let's pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this day. Open our hearts and minds to hear your voice speak deep within us as Bishop Wall shares with us. Help us to grow in charity, to see the gifts of your Holy Spirit come alive in our hearts and that uh, the fruits of your Holy Spirit are evident in our lives. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's listen to Bishop Wall. On April 19, 2005, uh, Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger was elected as a successor of St. Peter. And up until this point, he was an academic. He was uh, one who participated in the Second Vatican Council. And for 23 years, he served as the right-hand man to Pope St. John Paul II as the prefect for the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith. It's also referred to as the CDF. Uh, Due to his assignment, uh, Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger was given all sorts of nicknames. He was called God's Rottweiler, German, Uh, the Enforcer, the German Shepherd. He was called Cardinal No. He was called the Hammer. And I think all these names were somewhat entertaining, um, but I think they were were unfair. The nicknames weren't really clear expressions of the man who would become to be known to the world as Pope Benedict XVI. I would say the clearest expression of the man was to be found in his first encyclical, uh, which appropriately enough was entitled Deus Caritas Est, God is Love. And what was great, in his very first year of his pontificate, he gifted this to the world on December 25th, on the, uh, the day of our Lord's, Lord's birth. In this beautiful encyclical, Uh, He wrote that God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. These words from the first letter of St. John express with remarkable clarity the heart of the Christian faith, the Christian image of God, and the resulting image of mankind and its destiny. In the same verse, St. John also offers a kind of summary of the Christian life. We have come to know and to believe in the love God has for us. So, beautifully written. It's simple, yet it's very profound. Because it really is the heart of the Christian faith. So this week's reflection for Be Formed highlights uh, the theological virtue of charity, as well as the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And our reference points are taken from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, Paragraphs 1822 to 1845. So as we know, 
charity is one of the three theological virtues, the other being faith and hope. We know every time we pray the rosary, one of the things we pray for at the very beginning on those three little beads is we pray for an increase of these virtues of faith, hope, and charity. And we refer to them as theological because they have their origin in God. They are infused by God into the souls of the faithful to make them capable of acting as his children and of meriting eternal life. That comes from the Catechism, and that's uh, paragraph 1813. Repeat that again. They are infused by God into the souls of the faithful to make them capable of acting as his children and of meriting eternal life. They are also, as we come to know, the pledge of the presence and action of the Holy Spirit in the faculties of the human being. So, we recall in St. Matthew's Gospel, one of the Pharisees comes to our Lord and asks him the question, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus replies, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the greatest and the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. So the commandment uh, to love is made the new commandment. And we also know that Jesus loves us. He loves his own all the way to the end. Uh, Charity and love, I think, are two words that we can use. We can use them interchangeably. And when we think of charity and love, what we do is we recognize that God has loved us first. And what's the, uh, the only proper response to love is love itself. And he most desires of us that we should love him above all, and we should love one another out of love for God. In St. John's Gospel, Jesus gives us the commandment to love one another as he has loved us. And I think when we hear that, it always gives us an opportunity to reflect upon the many ways in which Jesus has loved us. I see three primary ways in which we're able to see uh, how Jesus has loved us. First of all, we see it through his words. And so if we look through the Gospels, we can see that Jesus goes to town to town, to village to village, and he interacts with, with different people. And always at the heart of his words is love, always. And what is love? Love is willing the good of the other. So no matter what Jesus says in the Gospels, always at the heart of that is love. And so if we want to imitate the example of Jesus and we want to love as Jesus has loved us, then we always have to be conscious of the words that we speak. And as we'll talk a little bit later, uh, what St. Paul says about love and his beautiful trees on love to the community at Corinth, um, if we find ourselves about ready to speak and really not at the heart of those words is love, it's best that we just remain silent, right? It's just best that we just remain silent. Because if we, if we speak out of love, then what we're doing is we're fulfilling our Lord's commandments, commandment in loving as he has loved us. So Jesus, we know, has loved us through his words. Um, the second way in which we're able to see how Jesus has loved us is through his deeds. Uh, if, if hopefully, I, I know many of you have had the opportunity to watch The Chosen. We're, in the, uh, we're, we're just finished season three on that. And we're able to see Jesus going from all these uh, town to town, village to village, different people coming up to him. 
and people who were in great need. Many people were ill, infirmed, all sorts of different things, and that were in need of his healing. And Jesus doesn't abandon them or leave them orphaned, but he reaches out to them, he touches them, he heals them, he gives them precisely what it is that they need. And so I'd say one of the ways that we can see how Jesus has loved us is through his deeds. And so if we want to imitate that example, right, love one another as I have loved you, it means that we have to be very, very attentive uh, to those in our world. These could be people or family, could be friends, be complete strangers, very attentive to people who who are hurting, who are are in need, and uh, to reach out to them, uh, to offer them uh, our, our love, right? And that means uh, to desire the good for them. So we see how Jesus is loved through words, and we see how Jesus is loved through deeds. But we also know that Jesus, right, loved us all the way to the end. So the greatest act of love uh, that the the world has ever seen is the crucifixion. We know that Jesus freely mounts the wood of the cross. Uh, He pours out his life so you and I and the world might know forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. And so the greatest way in which we can see Jesus, how he has loved us, is through um, his pouring out of his life upon the cross. And so for us to imitate that very same example uh, of Jesus' life, that that outpouring of self uh, for others. I'd say one of the the great saints that we're able to see in in terms of imitating that example, uh, because Jesus says no greater love does one have than to lay down one's life for one's friend, would be um, in St. Maximilian Kolbe, we know the, the great uh, Franciscan, Polish Franciscan, who, who died in a Nazi concentration camp at Auschwitz. And as the story goes with, with uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe, uh, someone had attempted to escape. And so with the, the Nazis, they were just so mean, and it was just the presence of evil. And what they would do is when someone would try to escape, they would, they would bring all the prisoners up and they would line them up and they would randomly go through and they would just start pointing you and you and you and you. And you could be chosen. You could have been the, the greatest prisoner. You could have been the greatest worker, whatever the case was. But they were just randomly choosing people. And at one point, there was a Jewish man who was chosen. And he just broke down and started crying, weeping, because he had a, a hope that he would hopefully be able to see his, his wife and his, his sons when he, if, he, if he got out of this. And out of nowhere, this, someone stepped forward and said, you know, I, I'll take his place. And they just simply said, who are you? And he, he, he responded, I'm a priest. That's what he said, I'm a priest. And he was able to exchange his life for the life of this man. And so he was placed in a starvation bunker and as the story goes, he, he led the other men in the starvation bunker with him in prayers. And I'm sure he heard confessions of those who, who needed the sacrament and all sorts of other things. He gave him, gave him great, great hope in the midst of a lot of, lot of darkness. But, um, you know, St. Maximilian Colby, as I said, is, is a great example of someone who has really, who really practiced that virtue of charity in his own life and uh, imitated the example of Jesus Christ and lived out that scripture passage, and no greater love does one have than to lay down one's life for one's friend. And so, um, in the example that is set before us with the saints, uh, St. Paul would say, be an imitator of me inasmuch as I'm an imitator of Christ. 
And so we look at the saints and we see how did they imitate Christ. And we look at St. Maximilian Kolbe, he would be the saint of charity, uh, that imitating that very example of Jesus. So Jesus loved us through his words, his deeds, and then we see all the way to the end in the crucifixion. So the, the theological virtue um, it is a theological virtue so that we can love freely with this divine love. Uh, not of our own power, but because God who seeks our love he gives us this power, you know, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And we also know in Luke's gospel, we hear that all things are possible with God. So in grace, we know, is, is first given to us in the sacrament of baptism. Uh, it's the gateway to the life of grace in which we participate in God's life. Uh, the theological virtue of charity, uh, it is given to us. And so, a question we might have, we see how, how Jesus has... Has, has given us the example through his words, deeds, and then the crucifixion. You know, for us, uh, what, does, what does that look like? What, what might it look like? And I would say what we do is we look at St. Paul's beautiful uh, treatise on love. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the one we all know. Oh, that's the wedding reading, right? That's the wedding reading. And you remember, Paul is speaking these words to, a, uh, to the, the, the Christian community at Corinth. And uh, Corinth was a very, very mixed city. It was, a, uh, it was a, a port city. So you can imagine you have all sorts of people going in and out of the city. So you have all sorts of uh, different ethnicities. You have all sorts of different people from different countries. And you also have all sorts of, of uh, different understandings about different things, such as love. And so what Paul is speaking to them, he's saying, this is precisely what love is. This is precisely what charity is. And, and St. Paul tells us, he says, this is what it is. And also he'll say, this is what it isn't. Um, you know, St. Paul will say that love is not jealous, boastful, arrogant, rude, irritable, resentful. Um, love doesn't rejoice in the wrong. And also love does not have to to have its own way, right? But when Paul speaks about, you know, what, what love is, really at the heart of it, uh, love is always about the other. And St. Paul also was, when speaking about love, he's letting us know that it's the most important of all the virtues, which is really, again, saying, repeating what our Lord had already said, as I read a little early in St. Matthew's Gospel. Um, I think in our world today, um, I think our world, we really need a, a refresher course on the virtue of charity, on the virtue of love. And uh, the reason is, is because it seems as if there are other things that, 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 that seem to be taking its place. And I'll give you one example of that. Um, I think in our world, one of the so-called virtues that are, that are really proposed to us and called for us to follow is the, the so-called virtue of tolerance, right? We hear that word over and over and over again. And, um, you know, it, it shouldn't be a virtue that we should strive after. We, we, should also, we should always strive after the most important of all of them, and that is being the virtue of love. And I was listening to a Dominican preach, a priest preach one time, and he gave a great a little example of that. And I think this is good for us, especially in our modern times. 
And what he said, he, he said to all, to, to all the, the men in the audience, he said, I want to prove this point to you. He said, next time when you're with your, your wife, and perhaps you're having a nice little romantic moment, and you just look at her and you gaze into her eyes, and you simply say to her, honey, I tolerate you. And then he said, what you're going to need to do next is you're going to have to step back because you're about ready to get slapped. Um, you know, tolerance really isn't the virtue that we should strive after, right? The, the, the proper response is, honey, I love you, right? And, and ultimately, what is, what is love? Love is willing the good of the other. And the ultimate good for all of us is the good that God desires for us, and that's eternal life with Him in heaven. So all of our actions, all of our actions in, in terms of practicing the virtue of charity, practicing the virtue of love, willing the good of the other, should have as, as its ultimate goal same one that God has for us, that's eternal life with God in heaven. Um, it's confirmation season, and when I was given the opportunity to choose uh, which, uh, which week I wanted to speak about, I said, I know, I'm going to speak about the one that has the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because then I'll be able to put together my homily for the confirmation season, because that's one of the things that we do when we talk about uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we know that there are seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. What I'm going to do, I'm going to list them off briefly, and then I'm just going to just go into them briefly and talk about the importance of them and what they do for us. So we know we have wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and then finally, fear of the Lord. So wisdom. Wisdom really is a spiritual gift which enables one to know the purpose and the plan of God. Don't we all want to know that, right? to know the purpose and the plan of God. And then the second one, understanding, is a penetrating insight into the very heart of things, especially those higher truths that are necessary for our eternal salvation, which is that ultimate good, again, we're talking about. Uh, the third being counsel. It allows man to be directed by God in matters necessary for his salvation. Again, there's those, those magical words, right? The eternal things, salvation, those important things. Uh, fortitude. Uh, fortitude assists us in difficulties, and it helps us in doing good. So another, some other words we might use for fortitude would be strength. Uh, we, we might use courage. Uh, we might use might. Um, knowledge. Knowledge is the ability to judge correctly about matters of faith, and right action, so as to never wander from the straight path of justice. Uh, piety, and uh, piety is good, it's important, and I think sometimes in our modern usage it gets a bit, uh, it gets a bit poo-pooed, it gets a bit downplayed. Uh, you know, people might say about something, oh, he's overly pious. Well, piety is a good thing, it's something, it's, it's one of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it, it's principally in reference to God. Uh, the Catechism speaks of filial piety, which is an attitude of reverence and respect children have toward their parents. It also refers to the religious sense a people has in its expression in popular devotion. So that's something that's probably very, very familiar to us um, in expression of popular devotions. And then um, finally, uh, the fear of the Lord. Um, so in this context, filial or chaste fear, whereby we revere God and we avoid separating ourselves from Him. 
So when we speak about fear of the Lord, uh, we should have a fear, not in, not in the sense of I'm afraid of God, but we should have a fear of, of offending God. And how do we offend God? We offend God when we, when we don't keep His commandments. Uh, we offend God when we, we enter into sin. We offend God uh, when we're like the prodigal son who wanders far from the, the father's house. And so uh, fear of the Lord is, is good for us. It's something that's very, very good. Again, it's one of the most, uh, I think, misunderstood of all the, the gifts of the, of the Holy Spirit. So these gifts of the Holy Spirit are infused into the hearts of all the baptized. And they can increase in the faithful as we mature and we grow in a holiness of life. So we receive them in, in the, the sacrament of baptism. And that we know when we receive the sacrament of confirmation, one of the primary effects of the sacrament of confirmation is it is a, a strengthening. So we can be strengthened in these gifts. So I think it's important for us to realize that we've been given these gifts and we want to use these gifts at all times. They're not just a one-time thing. We kind of put, set them on the shelf or put them behind us, but we always use these gifts because God knows us better than we know ourselves and God knows precisely what it is that we need. And so he gives us these, these seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And what they do is they, they help us in terms of strengthening our friendship with the Lord. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says in John's Gospel, uh, chapter 15, verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And, and so relying upon the gifts that are given to us, acknowledging that God knows us better than we know ourselves, and he knows precisely what it is that we need. And so he gives us these for, for a good reason. So to, to use these gifts as, as God intends. And in the sacrament of confirmation, we're strengthened in those gifts. And that's one of the primary, again, one of the primary effects of the sacrament of confirmation. So it, we have charity. We have the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then we have the fruits of the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit, as we come to know in the Catechism, are perfections that the Holy Spirit forms in us as the first fruits of eternal glory. If you notice, there's all this language. When we talk about charity, when we talk about the, whole, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, when we talk about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, there's all, there's all this language that points us to eternal life, right? Because that's where we'll find our greatest sense of peace. Augustine says, our hearts are restless until they rest in, these, in thee, O Lord. So the fruits of the Holy Spirit are found in St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, verses uh, 22 and 23. And they simply are charity, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, and chastity. So every virtuous act which man performs with, with, with pleasure, every virtuous act that man performs with pleasure is a fruit. And, and so it's important for us to look into our lives and, and to know the fruits of the Holy Spirit and see where and how are they present. Um, to, to see and recognize the fruits of the Holy Spirit is also a great way for us to discern, right? To know God's will and to discern, to discern God's will. Um, Father Michael Scanlon, he was the past president, he's, he's gone on to his eternal reward, past president of Franciscan University of Steubenville. 
And uh, Father Michael wrote a great little book. I love this book. Um, it's called What Does God Want? Which is really the, the, the name of the game. That's the, that's the question that we should always be asking each and every day of our life. It's a great book on discernment. Talks about little questions as well as big questions. You can look at questions such as, you know, should I take this uh, new job? You can look at questions, am I called to be a priest? Am I called to be married? Whatever the case might be. Or even little questions that, that might pop up throughout the day. And he gives some great little ways of helping us to know and understand if this is God's will. And um, one of the best things that I think he puts in there is he, he gives reference to the fruits of the Holy Spirit uh, to see when we're making a decision, it, are the fruits present? And if we see, you know, one or two or three or all the fruits of the Holy Spirit are, are present, we can say, well, this is, this, this is of God, right? This is God's will. And so it's one of the things that we can do in, in order for us to help us to understand uh, better if we're, we're, we're living God's will in our life, if we're um, coming to, again, understand what does God want. So there you have it. We have charity, which we know is the most important of all the virtues. Uh, we have the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the sevenfold gifts of the Holy Spirit which we know we receive a baptism and we're sealed and strengthened when we receive the sacrament of confirmation. And then we have the fruits of the Holy Spirit, which are great for us uh, to, to understand and recognize um, if and how we are doing God's will. Because again, as Father Michael Scanlon's book said, the name of the game is always uh, what does God want. All of these things um, have an eternal reality because we know that they're the ultimate good that all of us can desire for ourselves, is desire for, other one, for everyone else, which is the same thing that God desires for us, is eternal life with Him in heaven. Again, as Augustine says, our hearts are restless until they rest in Thee, O Lord. Thank you, Bishop Wall, for that great teaching on the theological virtue of charity, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage everyone to do their Lectio Divina this week. And of course, this week it's going to be on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 13, the wedding reading that Bishop Wall referred to. The line that jumps out at me often is, love does not seek its own interest. And I always tell couples as they're preparing for marriage or those who are married, when you wake up in the morning, think about, um, how can I will your good? How can I seek your good today? And if everybody does that in their relationships, we receive all that we desire and you know the love of God comes alive in our hearts. See what God speaks to you in this reading from 1 Corinthians. Another part of the talk that struck me this week was uh, in the fruits of the Holy Spirit, especially peace, joy, and love. As I was working with seminarians discerning their vocations, I would always look for these three things. If we want to know where the Holy Spirit is, look for peace, joy, and love. It's not always the case, but when those three are present and those other fruits that Bishop talked about, it's pretty, you can be pretty sure that the Holy Spirit's at work in your life there. So use these fruits for discernment in your decisions in life. Also want to invite everyone to our Holy Thursday uh, uh, church visits. So we're inviting everyone to come to St. Isaac Jogues on Holy Thursday, 7 p.m. Mass. 
And then we will visit six other churches. There's a tradition to visit seven churches, including the one that you celebrate Mass in. And we'll visit six other churches and return back to St. Isaac's for night prayer at 1145. But know that you have total freedom to visit one, two, three, all of them, whatever you'd like to do. We'd ask you to register, and the link is on the email, uh, the weekly email from Katie and Be Formed. The reason we want you to register is that we'd like to have copies for a meditation that we'll be doing at each of the churches. We're not going to have a bus, but you can drive yourselves uh, uh, individually from church to church. So let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the theological virtue of charity that you've placed in our hearts at baptism. Help us to love like you love, like you've shown us in your words, in your deeds, and ultimately in your death on the cross for us to save us. Help us to lay down our lives for for you and for one another. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. God bless you and all your families, and buen camino.